Again, this is um, Carl Jung's Black Books, part four. For part one, for the whole playlist, uh, go ahead and click here. You can start at the beginning. Now, some people have asked me, and by some people I mean voices in my own head, of course, obviously, disguised as other people, have asked me, why do you insist upon labeling your videos things like Tipitaka Part 116 Bikuni Vibanga Pakitia Roman numeral 31 through Roman numeral 34. No one's going to click on that. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, I would rather, I mean, in the case of these, obviously, it's, you know, uh, C.G. Jung Black Books Part 4. So you clicked on it, which means I probably either know you or you're very interested in uh, the black books. And that's, that means whether you're in one of those categories or both, you are my target audience. I'm not interested in clickbaiting, putting some kind of candy, like yellow bold text, is mythology your brain? Or are you even real? Or what are dreams? Or mm, ah, little clip art faces and catchy shit like that for like, candy scrollers to be like, oh, I might be interested in that. No, 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 not interested in that. Thumbs down. Not my target audience. I'm going to go ahead and get started with the reading because we're not getting any younger, are we? <laughs> the Experimentum Crucis. During this period, <clears throat> two women entered Jung's life, both of whom were to play important roles in what followed. Role-playing, sorry. The first was Maria Moltzer, who had come to Switzerland from Holland. Oh, okay, okay, they're in Switzerland. No wonder everything's in German, right? Switzerland is like West Germany. They love it when you say that, too. Just kidding. The nice Germans. What was it Robin Williams said? Anyway, and the second was Tony Wolf. They're not the bad guys. They just keep the gold, never mind, extracted by the bad guys from the teeth of... Sorry! I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. Okay, now that everyone has clicked away... It's just us. All right, it's just you and me. All right, uh, Moltzer's family owned the Bobs, the Bulls. My eyes are slowly, I'm gonna, you're gonna see me with glasses within a year, I guarantee it. Uh, Moltzer's family owned the Bulls Liquor Company. I should have read more when my eyes were good. Uh, and she had become a nurse in protest of alcohol abuse. Okay. She, hopefully I'm not being too distracting. We were able to pay attention. So Maria Moltzer entered Jung's life in Switzerland and was a nurse protesting alcohol abuse. Got it. <clears throat> she had taken some courses at the University of Lausanne. Jung first mentioned her in a letter to Freud, 
of September 8th. Why is it the dog doesn't start barking until I start recording? If you're paying attention to the Buddhist books, uh, yeah, he was silent until like five minutes into my recording. And then he started. Is it me? Is it, is it my voice he's hearing and he's responding? Maybe. I hope you like it. Isn't it charming? That dog is psycho, by the way. I mean, seriously, I've never, I've never encountered a dog that's like that frightening. He hasn't bit me, but I've been like genuinely like expecting him to. Like if I go outside, <clears throat> he's outside. The landlord takes him outside between like 5.30 and 6.30. And sometimes he lets them, him and the other dog, there's a black dog in the back. They, they, they spend the whole day in a kennel. So yeah, they're going to be pissed when they come out. Um, yeah, if I need to go outside, go to the store, or come home from somewhere, it's like terrifying trying to pass by these dogs. They're like really psycho dogs. I mean, that dog in particular, the blonde one. <clears throat> okay, some moon card shenanigans happening here. <clears throat> A letter to Freud, September 8th, 1910. Relating that she was berating herself for painting too black a picture of Martha Bodinghaus, adding that, quote, between the two ladies, there is naturally a loving jealousy over me, naturally, end quote. Moltzer became an analyst. In 1911, Jung gave a paper at a Congress in Brussels on the psychoanalysis of children. As he was not working directly with children, he presented the case of a child analyzed by Moltzer, whom he described as his assistant. These days, it'd be partner. Back then, 1910, there's a lady in your life and she has the same career that you do. Sorry. Okay, maybe she was his assistant. I don't know. He apparently had money. He had a big house with Latin carved on it. So I don't know. All right. I'll keep reading. Sorry. Sorry for interjecting here and there. Oh, speaking of interjecting here and there. <clears throat> for those who didn't know, I'm in Goa, India. And yesterday I went over to the grocery store down the street in South Goa. It's a village in South Goa, Majorda. And uh, the lady selling the vegetables there was like, can I ask you a question? And I was like, sure. And she was like, you don't mind? I'm like, no. And she was like, how come people from Russia never speak English? <laughs> it's like, wow. I, you know, my brain is like quickly unpacking the fact that she takes for granted that she speaks English and doesn't, doesn't know why she, she speaks English. I mean, probably if you were to like say, you know about the British period? Remember the British period? They had colonies around the world. That's why you speak English. And also, Russia was never a British colony. So, yeah, that wasn't my answer, but that was kind of what flashed through my head in an instant. And so I just said, uh, well, there, you know, uh, United States and uh, England are a different side of the world from Russia. And uh, just like, you know, I mean, they, there's been tension between Russia and uh, the US and UK for a long time and so just like I I didn't grow up learning Russian in school so uh, in Russia they don't they don't grow up 
learning English. And she was like, Russian? That's what they speak in Russia. I'm like, yeah, that's what they speak in Russia. And then as I was leaving, I was like, wow, this is fascinating. The unknown unknowns. And then I'm realizing that I'm sure many people, many people, of the four people, many of them are probably noticing my ignorance in my little comments and questions and stuff like that. But I'm not, like I mentioned in the first episode, <clears throat> in spite of my speech patterns, I'm not claiming to have more than just a very surface level knowledge of things. And uh, we're not all required to know everything. That's where social animals, that's why we ask questions. That's why we help, help, uh, help each other learn. And then there's, uh, well, anyway, too many other branchings of subjects. Let's get back to this, shall we? I, I've been learning about Jung peripherally from other people, just sort of absorbing information from other people who've either attended lectures at Philosophical Research Center in which other people who've heard about Carl Jung have explained Carl Jung to people who then explain it to me. So, I mean, I have, like, I think I have a pretty good-ish surface-level understanding of a lot of it. But at this phase in my life, 44 now, about to turn 45 in less than three weeks. Wish me happy birthday on September 21st. Anyway, uh, I decided, you know, I'm going to get into source texts. I'd rather have the direct knowledge. And why not share it with you? Make some content out of it. Sorry. Shall I get back to the reading? Would you like that? Comment below. Just kidding. Okay. Now I get to find where I was. He, okay, children, he presented the case when he was his assistant. Right. He reproduced this in the Theory of Psychoanalysis Lectures, presented at Fordham University the following year. I'm sure there's like, like with, uh, you're not supposed to say Greenwich. <laughs> if you go to New York, I'm like, I'm going down to Greenwich Village. People be like, <laughs> don't ever say that. Say Greenwich, Greenwich. I'm sure it's Fordham, Fordham University, but it's spelled Fordham. Like Ford followed by Ham. Anyway, Fordham University the following year, which Moltzer co-translated with Edith Eder, Edith Eder, in an entry in his dream book. I'm sorry, I'll try to do better. In 19, last time I just did nothing but read, so I'm making up for it this time by not reading at all. Jung noted the, quote, idea of M.M., bracket parentheses, Maria Moltzer, and bracket parentheses, that she inspired in me to uh, the libido work. Hmm. She inspired the libido work. These days they call that, anyway, uh, right, end quote, presumably a reference to transformations and symbols of the libido. In April 1912, she's your assistant, dude, come on, hands off. Judging by <clears throat> a letter she sent to Freud on Jung's letterhead. Whoa, <clears throat> what? Okay, so Jung noted that the idea of Maria Moltzer that inspired, oh, her idea, not her herself, okay. 
that inspired the libido work, presumably a reference to transformations and symbols of the libido in April 1912, judging by a letter she sent to Freud on Jung's letterhead. Mulzer was detailing with his correspondence every other day, was dealing with his correspondence every other day in a secretarial capacity, all right, Jesus assistant, while he was away in Italy. According to Freud, Jung had an affair with Mulzer. I'm shocked, all right. When Jung wrote to Freud that in contrast to Freud, he had been analyzed. Okay. Freud wrote to Sandor Ferenczi, is how you pronounce that one, quote, the master that analyzed him could only have been Fraulein Mulzer, and he is so foolish as to be proud of this work of a woman with whom he is having an affair. End quote. That was Freud talking, and just based on that uh, quote, I will go on record here as saying, and it pains me to say this a little, but um, fuck Freud. <laughs> Sorry, I, it, someone had to say it. Am I the first one to say that? I don't know. Uh, even though he's not my mother. Oh, by the way, speaking of Freud, never mind. Um, all right, whatever the nature of their relationship at this point in time, it is clear that it was close and significant and that Freud was an asshole. I added that last part. All right, in an essay on November 15th, 1913, Jung's I said to his soul, quote, I caught sight of a woman three years ago whose soul seemed to me more valuable than my marital anxiety. I conquered my fear out of love for her. End quote. Yeah, yeah, something was going on there. If not, then very much in his head, something was going on. The woman in question was Tony Wolf with two Fs. Okay. All right, different woman. Okay. Oh, because, yeah, two women came into his life. Only a few fragments of her diaries from this period, 1912 through 1913, and, well, okay, have surfaced. Regrettably, those spanning 1913 to 1924 have not survived, with the exception of some theoretical notes from 1916. There was this guy, Bob. Anybody remember Bob? Old, old guy Bob? Brad or Bob? And, uh, yeah, I knew him for years, and then one day he was dying. The last time I ever saw him, I went to the hospital, and he said, you know, when I, when I first met you, I thought you weren't, you weren't very serious. I disregarded you because I thought you were frivolous and not serious. But now, now that I know you better, I've come to realize that, that you are serious. And then he died. So that's, that's taught me I, I definitely need to be less serious. I don't want old guys coming to the conclusion that I'm not frivolous and uh, never mind. So no seriousness here. Absolutely frivolous. Just kidding. Wait. No, never mind. That's 
sort of a paradox. Uh, yes, I have survived with the theoretical notes from 19... I see you. That's what I'm saying. I see you. 1916. The diaries from... Yeah. No, I'm serious. Yeah, I'm talking about you. Not you. Not you. I was talking about someone else. Uh, the diaries from... Don't worry about it. Just don't worry about it. Go ahead and click away. I know you want to. Okay. Now he's gone. Now it's just us. It's just you and me. <clears throat> Sorry. From 1924 onward, center around the trials and tribulations of her relationship with Jung. There are illuminating retrospective comments as well. It's not like an audiobook. It's not books on tape. If it was, someone could probably sue me anyway. So, so there's a lot of commentary here. Uh, so, uh, the trials and tribulations of her relationship with Jung. There are illuminating retrospective comments as well as entries from which one can extrapolate to some extent on the nature of their collaboration during this critical period. On, excuse me, on September 20th, 1910, <clears throat> at the age of 23, Tony Wolf with two Fs was brought by her mother to see Jung. According to her sister Erna, he had successfully treated the son of a friend of her mother's, who consequently recommended Jung. According to Jung's pupil and biographer, the analyst Barbara Hanna, Tony Wolf was, parentheses, I mean, quote, suffering from depression and disorientation much accentuated by the death of her father, end quote. Her father had died the previous, see the bird is nice. Her father had died the previous year. Much later in the active imagination with her father, in an active imagination with her father on September 7th, 1937, Tony Wolf said to him, quote, I became ill after your death melancholic, completely unreal, and sunk in the inner world, end quote. Tony Wolf had audited courses at the University of Zurich on philosophy, literature, theology, and history, but was not formally enrolled there. According to Hannah, that's how you do it. According to Hannah, I mean, unless you want student debt these days, Quote, Jung immediately realized that she needed a new goal to reawaken her interest in life. Let's see what Jung had in mind. Uh, end quote. And he put her to work doing some research for what eventually became transformations and symbols of the libido. Um, she was stimulated by the material, which had a salutary effect on her depression and disorientation. Years later, she recalled walking in her youth near the Burgholds, that's how you pronounce that, with her parents and thinking, quote, there would be a doctor who had significance for me. Perhaps I wanted to become crazy for that reason. I, indeed, I ended up with C, bracket parentheses, A-R-L, end bracket parentheses. I knew exactly what I wanted from him, 
relationships with genuine people. Okay. End quote. On August 29, 1911, Jung mentioned her in a letter to Freud as, quote, a, stop writing to Freud, he's just going to, like, judge you and talk shit about everything you write. And maybe he didn't know that. I guess they used to be friends before Freud. Okay, uh, letter to Freud. As a new discovery of mine, uh, three dots, a remarkable intellect with an excellent feeling for religion and philosophy. And, quote, that autumn, he took her with Maltzer and his wife, wait, he's married? What? To the International Psychoanalytic Conference in Weimar, E-I, E-I, E-I. My name, R-E-I-B, Reeb, should be pronounced Ribe. So Weimar, Weimar, got it, okay. Sorry, <clears throat> a diary entry from January 18th, 1912 indicates that she attended a discussion session at Jung's house in Kusnacht. She noted that Jung read from Transformations and Symbols of the Libido and that the interpretation of the tree and the cross as mother symbols and the discussion of sacrifice and renunciation fully described her own conflict with her mother. She then cited lines from Faust describing the exhilaration of being lifted off of the off the earth in a fiery chariot to new spheres of activity. Cool. Um, she added that she had experienced this and now had to make it all come true. She was experiencing a sense of renewal and the opening up of new vistas. 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 New vistas. Um, the entry continues. The entry continues. Um, eventually, Doctor deals with the sacrifice. Perhaps I must experience this for him, with Mother and maybe also with him. I must experience it. That way, I was always able to deliver him the problems that he had not thought through to the end. I lived them first with him, for him, then knowledge. Now it is conscious. Okay. Her reference is to the final chapter of Transformations and Symbols of the Libido. This passage indicates that she saw her work for Jung as not purely scholarly, but also existential, involving living through and experiencing something for him. This dimension was clearly significant for her. She further noted, quote, I must come again much closer to doctor. Uh, Inwardly, he is now far from me, end quote. At this point, she, all, she saw her contribution to his endeavor in the following way, quote, I think that he has got a lot of symbols, bracket parentheses, transformations and symbols of the libido, end bracket parentheses, 
from me. I inspired it, the revision. I brought him a lot of it. He probably doesn't know that. And quote. She then noted that she herself had ended the analysis, adding that Jung had only fleetingly indicated the course and the sublimation, which she now had to find herself. In an entry on the following day, she noted that the work bound her to Jung, that a spiritual marriage had developed, but that she had to go further. He's married, lady, come on. On November 1912, Jung returned from his New York lectures. <clears throat> In a diary entry uh, of December 29th, 1924, Tony Wolfe, with two Fs. I wonder if there's any relation to Henry Wolfe? Never mind. Um, uh, Tibetan Bells album. Albums. What is that? I think, I think our landlord downstairs has difficulty hearing. Because when he watches TV, he plays it really loud. Um... All right, yes, from Tony Wolf noted, in his diary entry from Tony Wolf noted that 12 years before, on Jung's return from America, she went to him and, quote, spoke of relationship, end quote. In the November 15, 1913 entry in book two, following his account of the dream around December 1912, of the dove that transformed itself into a small girl and then back into a dove, Jung noted, quote, my decision was made. I had to give all my faith and trust to this woman, end quote. In March 1913, he went to America again for five weeks. Decades later, Tony Wolf noted in her diary, quote, the feeling is somehow similar to 1913 when C, bracket, parentheses, ARL, end bracket, parentheses, went to America and we separated and yet we couldn't do it afterward. This suggests a separation may have taken place at this time. Okay. On January, I mean, obviously, I don't think by do it, she meant, like, do it, <laughs> you know. She meant something. Do, do, do it. On January 30th, 1914, Tony Wolf and Maria Molzer became lay members of the Zurich Psychoanalytical Society. The minutes noted that for two years they had intensively participated in the life of the society. Years later, Jung spoke to Am Emil Anila J uh, Jaffe, Jaffe, see the thing with like the words kind of being blurry a little bit, 
is when they're English words, I can kind of be like, oh yeah, I reckon that's cow. But when it's like German or some unfamiliar looking name, then I'm like, is that an M or an N or what is that? All right, years later, Jung spoke to Anila Jaffe concerning the relationship with Tony Wolf. He said that he was faced with the problem of what to do with her after her analysis, which he said he had ended, despite feeling involved with her. A year later, he dreamed that they were together in the Alps, <clears throat> in a valley of rocks, and that he heard elves singing, and that she was disappearing into a mountain, which filled him with dread. After this, he wrote to her. He noted that after this dream, he knew that a relationship with her was unavoidable and that his life was in danger. On a later occasion, <clears throat> while swimming, he found himself with a cramp and vowed that if it went away and he survived, he would give in to the relationship. In a diary entry of March 4, 1944, Tony Wolfe referred to quote, 31 years of relationship and 34 years of acquaintance, and quote, this confirms that her relationship with Jung began sometime in 1913. To Amelia Jaffe, <clears throat> Jung recalled, at the beginning of her analysis, T.W. Uh, had the most incredible fantasies, a whole eruption of the wildest fantasies, some even of cosmic nature. But at that point, I was so preoccupied with my own material that I was scarcely able to take on hers. But her fantasies entered exactly into my line of thought. <clears throat> and in the interest of keeping these at around a half hour each, I apologize for how silly and uh, rambly this one was. But if you're still watching, then you must be fine with it. You weren't the one that clicked away. So, I will go ahead and, uh, and say... Okay.